shines bright in the Kentucky Derby. And it's American Pharaoh pulling away late. American Pharaoh rules the Derby. Welcome to week six of the Courier-Journal's Derby HQ podcast. My name is Jonathan Littner. I cover horse racing in Louisville, Kentucky. I use this platform each week to reach out to some folks around the country that, that aren't quite in our backyard yet. It's still kind of chilly in Louisville, still breezy, and uh, we, we're, we're waiting for Churchill Downs' backside to open up so we can talk to these people in person. But uh, for now, we're kind of we're, we're relying on phone calls and videos and quote sheets, and, and it's, it's still a fun time of year, though, because... This is the, the first weekend where you've got two races where, where winners of the Kentucky Derby preps pick up 100 points, uh, more than enough to get in the starting gate at Churchill Downs on the first Saturday in May. And the races I'm talking about are the UAE Derby at Maidan and then the Louisiana Derby at Fairgrounds. One of those will be in the morning, one of those in the afternoon on Saturday. And in the middle of it is, is the biggest race of the weekend, the $10 million Dubai World Cup featuring California Chrome, Frosted, Keen Ice, and a handful of other horses we're very familiar with uh, here here in Louisville. Um, th- this week, I'm happy to have on the show Ed DeRosa from Twinspires.com. He attended the Risen Star at Fairgrounds, has seen a lot of the horses that will be returning in the Louisiana Derby in person. And Ed is also an, an avid handicapper, can give some tips on how to evaluate these fields in Dubai where we've seen some of the horses. The others are kind of a mystery, and I, you know, obviously... The Americans will be bet down, so that there could be some values there if you get a horse, a local horse, or some somebody from Japan, somebody from France, something like that. Uh, you know, if they were to upset a California Chrome, obviously big values on the board there. So we'll speak with Ed, and and then I'll also play some highlights of this week's NTRA teleconference. It featured Tom Amos, he trains Mo Tom, a, a Louisiana Derby runner. Also David Fisk from Winchell Thoroughbreds, which campaigns Gunrunner the Risen Star Stakes winner, and then uh, finally have some audio of California Chrome trainer Art Sherman, who was speaking from Dubai earlier this week. Joined now by Ed DeRosa of Twinspires.com. Ed's also a voter in our Derby HQ Top 20 poll. Um, he's an expert handicapper, a former former racing journalist as well. Ed, how are you doing? Doing well. Really looking forward to this weekend of racing. Yeah, you know, I, I am too. Um, I, I guess the big ones that we're looking at are the Louisiana Derby, the Dubai World Cup, and the UAE Derby. Um, I don't know wh- wh- which of those do you want to start with. What do you have a strong feeling about this week? Well, I think uh, you know the Dubai World Cup, as great as it is to get into these hundred point races for the Derby. Uh, I think with the Kentucky Derby winner uh, from 2014 running in the World Cup, that that definitely has me the most excited. Uh, also have some also rans who were behind American Pharaoh uh, and the Don Handicap winner Mishawish. So five Grade One winners from the U.S. Ten million dollars. Uh, I think this is one of the most compelling races I've seen, uh, you know, in years. I'd say. Who sticks out from this group for you? I mean, do you do you see a scenario where California Chrome does not win the race? Yeah, it's too good a group where I'm willing to stick my neck out and say he's a lock. Uh, I am willing to eat chalk and and pick him on top. I I do think, I mean, he's my pick to win. Uh, But given, you know, some of the names I've mentioned, I mean, Keen Ice beat American Pharaoh. So if he can beat American Pharaoh, he can beat California Chrome. Uh, Frosted, uh, I have a lot of respect for. I picked him a few times last year. I think he's certainly capable 
And, uh, you know, the shine is sort of off Mubtaish, who was everyone's sexy pick in the Derby. I resisted him there. It sort of came around for the Belmont. He might be a touch slow, but he has one of the greatest trainers in the world uh, preparing him for this. So I'm really interested to see how he runs. And uh, the, the rave reviews about Michelwish coming out of the Don uh, now that he's on dirt. Uh, these are all names that wouldn't shock me. So, you know, the direct answer to your question is yes, he can get beat. Having said all that, even though he's the favorite, I'm still picking him. And, and I mean, the horses we've heard of and the American horses or, or connections that have run in the Derby make up about half of this Dubai World Cup field. When when you handicap a race like that and there's some unknowns in there, what are the resources that you use to, to try and learn about these horses that we don't know so much about? Yeah, you know, a big thing, uh, one thing that's very unique to uh, North American racing is speed figures and things like that. Uh, they just don't do them, uh, you know, really at all uh, for overseas races. So that type of information that a lot of us are used to and take for granted and use so much heading into the Derby just isn't an option. Uh, for the World Cup. So, you know, to me, I think the old school of relying on class, who beat who, uh, looking at the running lines on the far right of the past performances and seeing what names keep sticking out over and over again is certainly a starting point. Uh, Michael Bachoff, who won the National Handicapping Championship in 2012, he's over there. Uh, he actually wrote a blog up on twinspires.com, a blog post about how he handicaps. Uh, and he talked about the importance of class. So definitely looking at these horses, and you want one who's been there before, especially against this talented a group. Uh, again, I'm not saying California Chrome can't be beat or even that the U.S. horses uh, can't be beat as a group, but you want to look for names that have won prestigious races before, and, and that's definitely a starting point for me when looking for an upset against this group. And the other race on that card of Pretty big local interest being the UAE Derby, 100 Kentucky Derby qualifying points to the winner. I know Frank Conversation, the Doug O'Neill horse, that'll uh, be going from the rail in the field of seven. Obviously, they want to get to Churchill Downs. And also the two Japanese horses I read today have, have been talking about the Kentucky Derby. Um, what do you make of a horse that comes out of that race shipping to Churchill Downs? I mean, is, is that something that, that you would consider seriously given this group that we have here? Yeah, even with this group uh, having some names that are actually pointing or potentially pointing to the Derby with a good performance here, uh, I'm very willing to, you know, sell the notion that these horses can be competitive in the Kentucky Derby. I just don't like the quick turnaround. Uh, you know, some years it's five weeks. This year it is six weeks, so it's an extra week compared to some years, but uh, shipping halfway around the world, then off the plane and into the toughest race to win in the world is just too much for me. And usually you're talking about horses who have done well. So they're they're known commodities. They take money. People are interested in them. We saw that last year with Move Taij, who I definitely did not like. Uh, and for me, uh, it's right up there with the Apollo curse. Until a horse wins not having raced as a two-year-old or in this case with the uae derby until a horse wins off the plane from the uae uh, i'm never picking them so as interested as i am in this race because there are some horses who have said they would want their connections have said they would want to run in kentucky and polar river uh, would be applicable for the oaks 
uh, I'm not considering them a, a threat to actually perform well until someone does it. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm definitely in that same boat as well. I mean, you look at last year and you mentioned Mubtahij. I, I don't think that you'll ever see a stronger, or, or, you know, we haven't seen a stronger kind of candidate come out of there and just the way he handled the shipping and they ran into those international quarantine problems and he wasn't able to use his feet. I mean, just so many. He, he was the X factor of the Derby, and then for him to come up as short as he did, I think just shows kind of the toll that it takes on, on a horse doing that that sort of thing. But uh, Yeah, I'm definitely, uh, you know, we'll hear some chatter after the World Cup about horses coming back from Dubai in the U.S. and Dubai Jinx, and they're not the same. And I don't buy that as much. I think, you know, with the right trainer and horsemanship and time off, uh, a, a good horseman or woman can get, you know, their horse back to peak form when they're ready. The thing with the Kentucky Derby is it's a fixed schedule. It's six weeks later. That's the target. You have to hit it. And it's just hard for me to see how that gets done when you see so many other horses needing time, needing to really uh, focus on what the next race is. And often that's, you know, 12, 14, 16 weeks away not six so uh yeah you and i it sounds like we agree looking forward to the race i think they got a good good group but just doesn't seem to have derby implications and switching gears a little bit obviously that the the race is over in dubai will happen in the morning early afternoon saturday and then and then we have over it at fairgrounds at six twelve p.m the grade two louisiana derby I, I believe you were down at fairgrounds for the risen star is that right yeah, it, yes, I was. What what do you make of, of the horses coming back from that race in particular? I mean, I, I look at Gunrunner coming off the layoff, the way he was kind of able to stop and start a couple times in that race and still win. That sticks out to me. And, and I, I'd say Motom at 5-2, to two, the morning line favorite, is the horse that everybody's talking about given his late kick in that race. Do you see – or I, I don't know. What, what's kind of your gut feeling on that race? Yeah, it's uh, interesting to me because, uh, you know, last few years we've been talking about the Fairgrounds Oaks is such a, a, a big Kentucky Oaks uh, race. And this year it seems like things are flip-flop, maybe with Songbird and Catherine Sophia out there. Fairgrounds Oaks has a, a steeper hill to climb to be a, a major player in the Kentucky Oaks scene. Uh, but its loss is Louisiana Derby's gain. There's definitely some uh, legitimate contenders for six weeks down the road in Louisville. It certainly starts with the Risen Star trifecta, but they also got Greenpoint Crusader uh, shipping in. He's the third choice on the morning line at 7-2. to two. Uh, I was impressed with Gunrunner. I definitely did not play him going in. I was surprised to see so many people like him, uh, but I can't ignore, as you said, uh, to me, he put in a great effort off the layoff. He took money in that future wager pool, uh, so he definitely has a lot of backers, and they rewarded his confidence. Uh, I'm just worried at the price now since I didn't really like him all that much last time. Uh, but speaking of price, the horse who was just behind him forevermo uh, was 40 to one that day, and he's only 10 to one on the morning line now. So yeah, you're taking a big price cut, but he's still not going to be one of the favorites. I thought he ran a, a bang up race too, and more time was right behind him, and more time maybe had more trouble. Uh, but you're getting four or five times the price on forevermo. So for a horse who showed he belongs with what I thought was a good risen star group, I would take the longest price of those three, and that's definitely going to be forever most. So he, he's the one I'm most interested in uh, in the Louisiana Derby. There are a couple other horses that I've seen a lot of people talking about, uh, the first of those being Battery, which is Todd Pletcher's horse, and the second, Dazzling Jim, uh, the Brad Cox trained horse that, that has 
won both of his starts. Do you see either of those horses hitting the board, or, or you know, what do you feel like they add as far as wagering? Well, certainly, uh, you know, battery wouldn't surprise me. Uh, you know, some horses you don't love to see the big step up or they've come around too quickly. But, you know, we've, we've seen with Todd Pletcher already on this trail. Uh, Zulu was sort of the hot horse in December and January. Then we had uh, Destin and Outwork in the Tampa Bay Derby, both trained by Pletcher, uh, a similar progression. And now we have battery. Uh, so to me, he definitely is dangerous. Ten to one on the morning line seems a, a little high. I mean, it's a deep field, but it's Pletcher, it's Castellano. It's hard not to see how this one doesn't take money. He got a decent speed rating in that Gulfstream Park race. Uh, Cherry Wine beat him pretty good two back. It's a funny configuration though. Mile on the 16th at Gulfstream. Cherry Wine ran okay in the Rebel, well enough to say, hey, if Battery stepped forward. Uh, no shame in being second to back off the layoff. So to me, I, I prefer battery of the up-and-comers. But, uh, you know, Dazzling Jim, he has that Apollo curse I mentioned when talking about the UAE Derby. I don't really want UAE horses. I definitely don't want horses who didn't race as a two-year-old. That doesn't mean they can't win the Louisiana Derby, but Brad Cox is already talking about the next start, uh, using this as a stepping stone for the Arkansas Derby because he needs more seasoning. This would not be his last start before the Derby if he got in on points. So when I hear that, I think, well, he doesn't need to win this. He definitely needs a race. He's only run twice. Uh, I'm not as interested in him uh, as I would be battery of the two sort of up-and-comers. One of the horses you mentioned was Zulu. Uh, I know you're pretty high on him in, in, in your top 20 that you sent. Did you have him twice for a little while? I see he's third on your list now. I mean, uh, yeah, I, second. Yeah, I I'm sorry, I said twice. I meant to say second, yeah. Right. Yeah, I had him second before uh, the Fountain Youth, but, you know, based on the results there, even though he is, he hasn't raced as much as Moeyman, uh, it, it, it would have been hard to justify having him ahead of Moeyman uh, after that Fountain of Youth. So hopefully we'll... You know, he just got back on the work tab. Uh, I don't see any reason why he needs to run in the Florida Derby. Uh, he's only run at Gulfstream anyway, so I'd love to see him ship. I'd love to see him get away from the undefeated, Nyquist and Moeman. Uh Maybe we'll see him in the bluegrass or the wood, but I have a lot of respect for his talent. I loved what I've seen. Uh, and to me, he's the, the biggest threat among the, the Tide squad, so to speak. And and you're firmly on the Nyquist bandwagon, Uh despite all of his detractors what what is it about the horse that you like yeah i'd say part of it is the detractors i mean you know look he's an undefeated champion so it's not like he's under the radar and i'm going to sneak by, sneak one by everyone but i feel like his breeders cup juvenile uh he beat a good field he didn't have everything his way uh yes that was only a mile and a 16th with the short stretch at keeneland completely different animal than a mile and an eighth at Gulfstream, and then ultimately a mile and a quarter at churchill uh but he's shown he can handle the steps up and to me as an undefeated champion i mean not that his connections care where i rank him but the way i vote i just feel like he's number one until proven otherwise but I'm definitely not going to stick to my guns on this one. If Moeyman beats him on the square, uh, he's going to be number one. That doesn't mean he's going to be my bet because he's going to probably be over bet as the favorite. Uh, but certainly from a most likely win standpoint, I, I do think it's those two and everyone else at this point. And, and you, I think of all our voters, probably have 
more spirit, who I, I think people consider Bob Baffert's A-team horse, the lowest, number 12 this week. Um, Cupid, the Rebel Stakes winner, you have him fifth. What is it that you're, you're kind of hesitant to, to you know give more spirit any backing? Yeah, I, I just uh, don't love his, his style, uh, you know, both the, in terms of him being a Baffert trainee and for the Kentucky Derby. Uh, that style has certainly won races before, I and mean, we've seen my Neppard and Giacomo close from the clouds, and more spirit isn't that type of closer. Uh, but, you know, many people point to him being a grinder, and he can run all day, and I don't dispute that. I, I think he's a good horse who's going to win some big races if he stays right, uh, and I know people are already talking about the Belmont States because of that distance and his ability to, to grind out uh you know, a route of ground at a decent at a decent clip. But the Derby uh, requires some brilliance. It's a reason I think we've seen horses by uh, elusive quality and boundary and Wad de Samino, all milers do well in the race. Uh, I, I want to see some of that brilliance. It's what Bob Baffert mostly known for too. Uh, this just doesn't seem to be the the fit for him with the way the Derby's been run this century. And with everyone else on him, I'm willing to be against for now. And if he drifted up in price, I'd feel differently. But as the third or fourth choice in this group, I'm willing to downplay him a little bit. And, and I personally, at least, I see some comparisons when when more spirit runs to a Shagaf type of horse. And I notice you don't even have him on your top 20 this week. It, do you just feel like that horse has no shot in the Derby? Yeah, that was, that was probably an oversight, to be honest. One of those... Uh, I cut him out to make room for someone else and then forgot to put him back lower <laughs> on the list. Um, just being honest. But yeah, he would but, be, he would be low on your list though. Yeah, he would be, he would be lower. I, I, I moved him up uh, off the, the win in the Gotham, but uh, you know, I, I think that's a good imp- comparison with more spirit and with Chagas being a, a, he would probably be a, a bigger price. So I'd like him a little more, uh, but I'm with you. I think that is a good comparison. It just doesn't seem like the, the style that uh, can run the A race you need on Derby Day. And, again, I think both of them have the talent and have run fast enough that they can win big races down the road. But from the Derby standpoint, it's just not the style I like. I guess the only other thing I wanted to ask you about, I know I talked to you a couple months ago about the Derby point system, and, and you said that typically you feel like the favorite will be a, a horse that wins one of these 100-point races that starts this Saturday. Are, are you feeling that again? And, I mean, do you feel like you'll back a horse that wins his final prep for sure? I mean, is there a scenario where you would go any different direction? Uh, yeah, I think this is the year I might look in a different direction. I do think uh, the winner, or excuse me, the favorite will be, you know, the 100-pointer. 100, 100 uh, obviously, if Moeyman or Nyquist win the Florida Derby and start in the Kentucky Derby, they're going to be the favorite. I don't, I mean, I just can't see a scenario of who else it would be uh, absent Songbird supplementing for 200,000, which I, I, appears extremely unlikely. So, uh, to me, yeah, those two are going to be the favorite among them, whoever wins. Uh, but this is a year I, I might look for an up-and-comer. I mean, if, if Zulu impresses me again, even without winning his next start, uh, you know, I might ride him all the way through the Derby at 10, 15, 20 to 1. Um, you know, dancing Candy, I think uh, if more spirit were to win the Santa Anita Derby and, and Danzing looks good and uh he might be a horse i look to 
uh, on Derby Day because I think he has a little more brewing, some more spirit. So there's definitely some names out there uh, with Nyquist and Neumann poised to be, you know, seven to two or, or less if they win uh, that I might want to take a shot with at 15 or 20 to one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ed, it's always good to talk Derby with you. Uh, like you said, you guys, I believe have multiple people on the ground in Dubai uh, contributing to twinspires.com. I've seen some great photos this week. I've seen some, some good editorials about handicapping. We'll make sure uh, everybody needs to check that out. Um, thank you again for taking the time. Yeah, my pleasure. Hope everyone uh, enjoys the race. It should be a great Saturday. So I mentioned earlier the NTRA teleconference. Each week they, they welcome on a few guests talking about horses going in the weekend's big races. And then was glad to have Tom Amos on there. He's a trainer of Mo Tom, and the horse is not named for him. It's named for his owner. GMB Racing is the stable name for Gail Benson, the wife of Tom Benson. They also happen to own the New Orleans Pelicans and the New Orleans Saints. So it was a big kind of hometown interest for that horse going at fairgrounds this weekend. Tom talked quite a bit about that and uh, kind of how the Bensons got back into horse racing. This is one of the uh, more interesting points, I-, I thought, from the conversation. You know, they wanted to use New Orleans kind of born and raised guys, and, and the three they chose were uh, Dallas Stewart, Al Stahl, and myself. Um, the wonderful thing about going to the sale, the yearling sale Keeneland, the three of us did, and uh, picking out horses for them was there were no constraints. Um, buy whatever you want. Here's the limit on what we're going to spend. And, uh, and you know, you guys handle the horses from the moment the hammer drops and we get them till we get to see them run. So I didn't have to answer to anyone. I wasn't calling and saying, what about this one? I like him because of this reason or that reason. I, I had no constraints. And that, that was a, that was a, that was a pleasure to go in there and just do what I thought was best. And literally, once the hammer dropped on my uncle Mo Cole, had him at the farm I wanted him to get broken at within a day and a half, and then to be able to follow him into his training until he came into the barn. So you don't get to do that very often. Typically, with owners, they're involved in some shape or form. There's nothing wrong with that. But uh, but but I, I certainly enjoyed uh, getting to do it strictly my way and, and not having to worry about anyone looking over my shoulder. And you all did pretty well. I mean, Dallas's horse in the Louisiana Derby is also one of those that came out of that arrangement, correct? Oh, yeah. yeah that's exactly yeah. right. And, you know, when you look at it, you're going to, I mean, this is, you're buying yearlings. There are going to be some successes and failures. But, I mean, if it were all to end today and they were going to sell these horses tomorrow uh, with what they have in the barn, they would sell them for more than what they bought them for. And that's, that's quite an achievement uh, when you're going to the yearling sales. Promise as well, some audio from David Fisk. He's the racing manager for Winchell Thoroughbreds. If you remember Untappable, Campaign Turd, the 2014 Kentucky Oaks, along with a lot of other Tappet Colts um, over the last few years. Their contender this Saturday is not by Tappet, but Gunrunner enters off a win and the Risen Star stakes. And, and I asked him, you know, that, that was a horse that, that we saw in the Kentucky Jockey Club stakes back in November at Churchill Downs. Ran a pretty good race. And then going into the Risen Star, it had been about three months since he'd run. Uh, still wins, you know. Didn't didn't need the race per se. And uh, kind of asked, you know, is, is he fully cranked? Well, I hope he wasn't fully cranked. Uh, <laughs> you know, most of the time horses will, you know, uh, uh, 
make a forward move off of a start like that. He should be fitter for the Louisiana Derby. Um, you know, and like I said, he, he's been training well in between races. So, uh, you know, he's going to have to move forward if he's going to continue down the Triple Crown Trail. Um, he's going to have to move forward and get faster. So, um, you know, we're, I think we're in as good a spot as we can be on Saturday, and we just hope it all works out. A lot of conversation about Motom and the late run he had in the Rhythm Star. Is that that worry you looking forward to Saturday? Um, well, I mean, they all kind of worry me. It's a, it's always a concern as you know who's in against you. Um, I think um, Motom. Well, he's the morning line favorite, so you know he's certainly a a factor to contend with. Um, I think we were probably getting a little bit tired in the Risen Star, close to the wire. Uh, Florent says he might have moved a little early with him, but he's he's such a uh, tractable horse that uh, Florent was able to put him wherever he wanted to. You know, if he if he wanted to move up a couple spots, he could, and then you know the horse would idle there for him and then move again. So he's very tactical and. Um, yeah, you know, hopefully he's more fit, and the extra sixteenth of a mile isn't going to be a factor for him. It is a long stretch at fairgrounds, though, so yeah, you know, we'll we'll just have to see what happens. And finally, there was a uh, one, I guess, interaction from the NTRA call with with Art Sherman that stuck out to me. It was a question from Ron Flatter. He's a, a longtime radio host, horse racing journalist. Um, kind of asked. Going back to last year, there was so much pushback from Art included about sending California Chrome to Dubai and, and basically running him anywhere except for the United States. He was, after all, America's horse. And this year, there there was really no pushback. You know, people were fine with him going over there. I guess happy to see him racing at all at age five. But also, Art gave another reason for why he okayed this trip. Well, you know, we got a whole new ownership plan and. Everybody seems to be on the right plan of doing things, you know, like it should be done. And I I really think we did the right thing by coming over here since uh, I needed to get another prep into him. You know, I only had one other race this year after having nine months off, you know. And, of course, he won that race at Santa Anita, but he sure needed to be tighter than he was going into that race. And... The mile and a quarter I got underneath him a month ago was the real tightener. You know, he looked absolutely beautiful. And when under wraps, you know, Victor told me he said he had plenty of horses left. And carrying 132 pounds, you know, I understand it wasn't your stellar field that he run against, but I was so impressed the way he did it. You know, and I think now with that race under his belt coming into this Dubai World Cup, He's going to show you something when he does. A little further on the new ownership with TaylorMade being involved, what are they bringing to the table that you didn't get from the Coburn-Martin partnership? Well, you've got to realize that, uh, you know, it's it was a new endeavor for them, too. You know what I mean? The first horse you ever owned turns out to be California Chrome. You know, first horse mm-hmm. you ever bred. And, it was kind of overwhelming, and sometimes, you know, you might get a little bit carried away, but I'll tell you, now they're on the right 
track and they got people around them that are real horsemen and they're looking out for everybody and it, 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 the atmosphere is so much easier for me to be a trainer you know and, and knowing we got horsemen behind us and that have been lifelong horsemen you know it's a little bit different atmosphere for me and lastly, have you ever seen a horse grow to a five-year-old as much as this one has? Or how, how do you look at his growth compared to other horses you've had at age five? Well, it, it's just it's just a pleasure to see him. I never thought, I thought like after last year he'd go to the breeding farm and I wouldn't see him again, you know what I mean? But after bringing him back and training and looking at him, Taylor May did such a wonderful job putting weight. You know, he lost so much weight, but he put on like 160 pounds at the farm. So you, you know that he was kind of undernourished a little bit when he come from in, from England. It was just hard on him. You know, he wasn't up to himself, and he just needed to have a little R and R. You know, the horse never really had much opportunity to be turned out. Yeah. English cooking. What a um, difference. Yeah, a lot of difference to me. All right. Thanks, Art. Good luck to you Saturday. Thank you.